0: You're listening to episode 80 of the Musicpreneur Mindset Podcast. Hey, we're Sub Radio. You're listening to the Musicpreneur Mindset Podcast. Here's your host, Suze, founder of The Rockstar Advocate. Hello, you're listening to episode 80, Musicpreneur Spotlight, Nat J. I'm your host Sue, a mindset coach helping music professionals get clear on their goals and find the time to get it all done while maintaining a healthy work-life balance. It feels weird saying all of that given the times we're in right now. In case you're listening to this episode sometime in the future, we're halfway through April and it seems the entire world is under quarantine while we try to flatten the curve and the spread of the coronavirus. Balance has gone completely out the window, as has the line between work and life. The only thing many of us are trying to maintain is our sanity. It's in times like these that perspective is everything. You can choose to let the circumstances bring you to your knees, or you can choose to find the kernels of joy, peace of mind, and control over your circumstances where you can – I felt this was the perfect time to share my conversation with Vancouver-based singer-songwriter Nat J. In just a few minutes, I have no doubts you'll fully agree with me that Nat's story and the lessons she shares with us are just what we need to hear right now. She shares with us what she's learned when it comes to building successful relationships within the sync licensing community, with over 30 song placements in film and TV, including MTV, The CW, Nickelodeon, and ABC, but her words of wisdom don't end there. Sure, if you want to begin building your career inside the world of sync licensing, you're going to want to grab a pen and paper. But our conversation covers much more than music placement deals. And be sure to head over to the show notes page to uncover links to all of her music and resources at therockstaradvocate.com forward slash EP80. During our time together, Nat takes us inside her process of not only creating music that pushes the confines of genres, but demonstrates for us how the values she's chosen to live by and the perspective that she's decided to have around the cards life can deal out have continued to keep her not only surviving, but thriving under difficult circumstances. A brief background before we begin, Nat Jay originally worked with producer Winston Hawchild on two EPs and her first full-length album, All I Think When I Wake Up which received a nomination for Pop Album of the Year at the Western Canadian Music Awards and was included in the Top 10 Pop Albums of the Year on Pop Dose, landing at number 3 between Taylor Swift and XCX. She released her Stoke the Fire Christmas EP with electronic production duo Cookie Cartel in 2016 and then partnered with award-winning European pop producer Ovi for her latest album The Flash of a Fight, which we dig into quite a bit during our talk. I want to thank you for deciding to take some time to listen to this interview, and I ask that you heed her words that she leaves us with at the end for our actionable of the week. So stick around to the end because it's hands down one of my favorite ones that a guest has given. So let's dig in. I bring you Nat J. Okay, everyone, so I'm here with Nat J. Nat J, thank you so much for being with us today. Oh,
1: I'm happy to be here.
0: I've given our listeners a little bit of background about you in our intro but I always think it's great to hear straight from the artists themselves. Why don't you give our audience a little bit of background of of how you got into music and and why do you do what you do? What's your why? Mm-hmm.
1: Um well, I uh, was pretty much born into music. My parents are both musicians, so I think I came out of the womb <laughs> um, <laughs> doing music in some way. I was raised as a classical musician like my parents, and played the flute. I went to university for that, but uh, then I had some chronic pain with my wrists and so had to uh, leave that. but I found that I loved singing even more. My mom bought me a, a guitar and I started songwriting. I mean, that's a very condensed version of my story, um, but generally like that's how I, I got into music. I, I found that I, I really loved the writing part of it um, and still really that's my favorite part, the writing and recording. And the first song that I recorded of my own ended up super randomly getting placed in a big ABC TV show. And so that was when I started to sort of realize that maybe I could make a career out of this went on to learn as much as I could about my industry. And uh, since then, yeah, I've uh, released a bunch of albums. I have a new one that just came out and I've done really well with sync placements and film and TV. For me, my why with music has always just been sort of a selfish thing. It's, it's very cathartic for me to um, put my life experiences into maybe a negative life experience, put them into something beautiful, into some art. Um, and then it makes me uh, feel better. And I mean, the bonus is that other people have told me that my music's made them feel better too. So I guess that's that's my why in the end.
0: Yeah, that's beautiful. It's it's really powerful to have that sort of impact on somebody and and as a songwriter that's that's a really great tool to have. I you know, I love that you said, you know, the songwriting is really what motivates you most because I had I had shared with our listeners just a few of your um accolades. You're a very well-awarded songwriter and you have so many credits to your name I'm sure it's hard to pick but what's been what was one of the most exciting accolades to receive as a songwriter so far
1: I feel like every time that I get chosen to be in a in someone else's like tv or film production Um, every single time it never gets old and like I'm honored to be a part of someone else's art. I think that's really exciting. I think the one that also sticks out to me is that for my last full length album, I was nominated for a Western Canadian music award for pop album of the year. And it's something that I just was not expecting and Mm -hmm. something that's voted on by your peers. So for me, that felt really rewarding uh, to be nominated for that. I think I was the happiest they always say it's just an honor to be nominated, but it literally was. I was the happiest loser ever on that award <laughs> night. I just couldn't believe that I'd been nominated for it. So that was really special. Um, a lot of those songs had been years in the making, and we'd, we'd really like put a lot of uh, thought and heart into that album. So it, it really uh, felt great to be, to be recognized um, by others for that. So I think that's one that really sticks out to me.
0: I'm curious as to, you know, you've gotten so many placements and and licensing has definitely been a, a large focus for you as, as a music professional. I know you mentioned that um, it kind of started with that ABC placement, but how can you go into more detail about how that really grew? I know a lot of our listeners are feel so in the dark about sync licensing and getting their their music placed. Um, What are some of the things that you've learned that you might be able to shine a light on for our listeners?
1: For sure. I mean, my very first placement on that ABC show was kind of a fluke. And it's not the traditional way uh, that songs get placed. But I think the reason that and I think that that can happen to anybody. But I think the reason that I've continued to be successful in that area is because I, after I got that placement, I did everything that I could to learn about that part of the industry and all the different aspects of it. So um, I was really lucky with that placement that I had a a very knowledgeable friend who sat down with me and went through every part of the license with me and explained it to me. So I really understood um, all of the legal wording and everything like that, that um, is important in a license for artists to understand. I also learned about, I always, I always tell artists it's really important to understand um, the rights behind your music and understanding who owns them, what they are and who owns them. Um, in, the, in the sync world, the two sets of rights that are very important are the master rights, who owns the master. It's usually whoever paid for the recording. So with a lot of indie artists, that's them. If they're on a label, a lot of times it's a label. Um, and the other is the publishing rights. Uh, and that's usually the songwriter. So whether it's split between two songwriters or or whatever it is, or if there's a publishing deal in place, then it' would be the publisher. Uh, that that splits it with you but whatever whatever those splits are to understand what they are understand what those rights are and what they mean and who owns them and and have written agreements in in place that that show these things because until you understand those rights it would be difficult to be successful in in the sync world so those are uh, a couple of the sort of very basic things and then knowing how to set up your music for for music supervisors who are the people that select the music to go in in productions? And knowing how to approach them and what they need, and and just um, being as knowledgeable as possible and um, as easy to work with as possible, so that you can continue to to be successful.
0: Right. Thank you for sharing that. What I love what you brought up about that is, you know, the relationship component to licensing music because I hear a lot of people talk about you know, understanding the legalities and understanding the admin portion of it, which as you said, is very crucial and very important to wrap your brain around and also maybe know somebody who knows even more of the ins and outs of it. So you, you know, you're protecting yourself, but also that last bit that you mentioned that it is about relationships and it is about knowing, as you said, what they need and how do you find it frustrating or do you have some sort of structure to keep track of like, from what I know about licensing, you know, everybody kind of operates differently, music supervisors and editors and sync um, libraries, everybody kind of wants things in a different way, or will find music differently. Um, How do you kind of keep track of, of your relationships in this world?
1: Uh, for sure. I mean, I mean, everyone's an individual, so they, they have their preferences. But I would say there's just certain basics that are common to um, all of those people. Um, they all have the same job to do in that they have to clear certain rights. So they have to get permission from the rights holders to use a certain piece of music. So the more information that you can give them on that, the easier you'll be to work with. So that's again understanding those rights. Also, things like having uh, the right metadata embedded in your track. So that's all the all the copyright splits. Having contact info, including email and phone number. Um, having lyrics embedded in there. So that you know sometimes they use those for closed captioning. And just having all that information readily available will make that relationship with them. Uh, very smooth, and and interacting very quickly with them. Uh, Music supervisors are often on very short timelines. The quicker you can get back to them, the better. And sometimes, you know, sometimes, they need something like an instrumental from you because they need to sort of edit it around dialogue or something like that. Um, so having instrumentals um, or, or WAV files ready is really important to just getting back to them uh, as quickly as possible with those things and having them ready and not having them have to wait for it. I, I think that I've been successful with just a sort of small, strong network of music supervisors over the years. So I've gotten to know them well and what what they kind of like, I try not to bug them too much because I know they're really busy. So yeah. <laughs> I I contact them when I have new music. Um, I make sure that I'm educated on on what they're doing without having to ask them. What are you working on? That information is is often readily available on their website or on IMDb, and not following up uh, too often because. Um, I know that they get inundated with emails. Um, so it's just sort of understanding how they work and what the sort of uh, workflow is that they they go through when they're trying to do their job and, and helping them to do it as much as possible.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's incredibly valuable information uh, to share with us and a, a real kind of peek behind the curtain. So thank you for, for sharing that with our audience. I, I really always try to tell all of our listeners that, you know, it is about relationships and about showing up and serving the people that you want to connect with. And it, it sounds like you've got that down to a T and it so- sounds like something that comes very naturally to you in terms of like a giver's gain mentality and, and just showing up and, and being professional and doing the work. So, um, that's a great example for mm-hmm. everyone tuning in. So thank you for that.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, for sure. I actually I think that songwriters are actually like ahead of the game with that, because I mean, we're all observers. And I mean, all you uh, have to sort of do to make a connection with someone is to sort of observe them and, and try and figure them out. And that's what we're trying to do with our songs is sort of observe the world and try and figure it out and put make some sense to it. Um, so I think that's something that can be applied to relationship building, too, is sort of figuring out um, what makes this person tick and how can I sort of best serve
0: them, you know? For sure. That's a really great, well, I'll say observation. Um, <laughs> because, you know, I, I do think that some people, especially when they get started, overthink it and they forget. Just as you said, it's like you're using your skill sets. These are your natural abilities and strengths that you're leveraging to your advantage and using them in, you know, you've used them in songwriting and now you use them on the industry side. And I think. Musicians and songwriters in particular don't give themselves enough credit, but there's so many skill sets that you bring to the table, you know, in that realm that you can apply to other situations such as that. And so I really think it's a a really great point to make that everyone out there listening who wants to, you know, do this and, and feels like, you know, licensing is this big, scary world, you have a lot of the skill sets that you need. And you just need to uh, have the confidence to to tap into them um, and tap into them in a, in a different way than um, or maybe not even in a different way, but just use them for a different goal than when you sit down and, and write a song. And I think that's a really important point to bring up. Yeah,
1: absolutely. I mean, I think that a lot of artists are are scared of of the business side of things, but they they really do have a lot of the same skills uh, that are required for the other side they have the creativity they have the dedication whether it's to their instrument or to their art or whatever it is um, and if they put that same kind of mentality into the the business side of things then they can be just as successful and and they can understand it and and it can be just as creatively uh rewarding and and fun as as the as the music side of it too
0: absolutely And one of the last things I'll ask you on the licensing front is, you know, as a songwriter, and I'm sure it's a very personal journey uh, to sit and and write a song and and it comes from somewhere inside of you. But when you are licensing music, do you find that you ever sit down and write for a particular project in mind or for a particular show that you might want to get placement on? Or do you just write, see what comes out and then see you know, what this, where this might be a good fit for one of the supervisors that you know, or is it always changing? Like, what's that process as a songwriter like? Uh, Well,
1: this is a question I get a lot from artists, whether I sit down and write specifically with licensing in mind. And it's definitely something that I've thought about thinking about. (laughs) (laughs) And it's always something that I tend to dismiss that thought. I just know that, I mean, when I was first starting out with songwriting, I really didn't know what I was doing. And I just wrote what I thought sounded cool. And that first album has been the most successful as far as licensing goes and sales goes. It's it's just, it's like off the charts compared to my other albums. And I think it was because I just was like writing, you know, what felt good to me. And as a result of that, it really connected with other people who felt similar things or who related to it. Um, or whatever that was. So I've sort of made it a sort of mantra of mine to focus on just what is what feels good to me, what is meaningful to me, because I think that that's the reason that I've been successful in licensing is because it does fit with other narratives and, and to connect with other people. And, and it does tend to resonate on a larger scale. But I think if I had a different focus, then I, I feel like it, it wouldn't uh, connect Because it wasn't as genuine.
0: Yeah, I think that's a really great way to explain it. It kind of basically flows into my next question, which was, you know, I know throughout the EPs you've done in the past, you've even done a Christmas EP. You've definitely haven't been afraid to change genres a little bit and explore different sounds going from, say, more of a singer-songwriter to more electro-pop. I know, I remember reading on your website, your latest album, The Flash of a Fight, and this, you mentioned being more of a of a collaborative approach with your producer, Ovi, how has that been as an artist? Do you find uh, excitement and, and like a thrill to kind of switch up the genre and change things? Or do you do it to more so challenge yourself? Or is it just, this is what I'm feeling and this is what I'm going to do? Because I've, I've seen some musicians get Worried like, ooh, I, I want to try a different sound, but how will that affect my brand or will my audience, you know, resonate with it? Do I have to find a new audience? And again, this overthinking that happens. Did you go through any of that or did you just let whatever music was coming from you come from you? Like what what has that journey been to to kind of switch it up between EPs? hmm.
1: It felt like a big decision and not a big decision all at the same time because I knew that I was making quite a big change up for this recent album, uh, but at the same time, it felt easy because it felt like it was just the right thing for me to do. It felt like that was what was coming out of me. I'd been thinking about doing this kind of album for a long time, even when I did the the, the last album, um, but I just didn't have the right tools then as, as a songwriter. Um, I was working with a different producer and that you know more electronic thing was... not it's not really his his forte, and so we approached the previous album differently, where we, we could both use our strengths at the time. Um, but I I went through a lot of changes in my personal life um, between those two albums, and so I was feeling a bit like a different person. I've always been sort of in the poppy realm, um, and and what was it that first, you know, got me into pop music, and I remembered when I was a teenager, and um, I was in a hip hop dance group and I loved a lot of that more sort of mainstream commercial sounding pop and it's always been something that I, I love to listen to and that I've always wanted to try and I just happened to have the right collaborator uh, come into my life We tried a, a, I, was, I was writing with a, a few different people and trying out a few different producers and I really just connected um, with Ovi and his style and he brought the best out of me and I really just got a feeling for it through his work it felt like it was time to sort of reconnect with that part of myself and I think that it it it, it does sound different from my previous albums but I think that there's still that element of me in there uh, because I'm still connecting with you know my life experience it is still in the pop realm I always have sort of hooky songs so this was no different it was just sort of a natural progression um, you mentioned that Christmas album that we did a few years back. And that was actually sort of a precursor because I, I was working with this electric electronic production duo, Cookie Cartel. And that kind of like sort of opened my mind to like, oh, I can, you know, still sound like me in this more electronic area. Uh, and so that kind of opened my eyes to the fact that I could sort of be successful by transitioning into this new, Genre and still maintain some can some consistency in what the Nat J brand is. So far, I've had really great response from people. All my previous fans have been like, "Wow, this sounds great! I really, I'm really liking this new side of you," and it's brought in a whole bunch of new fans as well. So it's been really exciting to explore that. And um, Ovi and I are planning to do a lot more together.
0: That's wonderful. A lot of the things that I love about your approach to sharing your music with your fans is not only being, you know, celebrating the milestones, like when you hit a certain milestone in streams or in video views or or things like that, but also, th- you know, getting creative with how to celebrate a singles release or celebrate a certain milestone. You know, I, I remember seeing on your instagram um i'm actually i'm looking at it right now where i know your single sleep that was released earlier this year the giveaway that you did you ran a little contest to Mm -hmm. celebrate the fact that it was getting so many streams and and so much love that you that you ended up collaborating with a wellness store i love this creative outside of the box thinking to take the theme of a song and link it with a lifestyle brand and say you know hey, let's, let's do something for the fans. So can you share a little bit about how that came about? You know, I'd really like to see more musicians kind of thinking in this way and and expanding uh, their music beyond their merch T-shirt or uh, their CD, you know, s- seeing that you're expanding this with other brands. How did that come about?
1: Um, yeah, well, I mean, it was always sort of a part of, of the marketing um the marketing plan to, to have contesting as a part of the, the whole release campaign. And, and we sort of thought we would want to have it related to sleep. And we thought about, you know, making a sort of package on Amazon or something of like, a you know, a sleep mask and this and that. Um, and, and then eventually, I don't know, somehow I always come back to, what's meaningful to me and sage is just one of those um products that I really like and I use all the time I just really wanted to share that with with my fans and I and I thought that like you know something that's personal to me again just sort of like in my songs would be uh, meaningful to someone else too. I will say Sage is not paying me to to say any of this. And we found out that they actually, they don't do partnerships like that. Um, So it was my own decision to sort of promote them. I just wanted something that I would know the quality of that would be um, beneficial to my fans that they could get excited about. And that was tied into the music just to keep it, I guess, on a personal level. One of my really longtime fans won the contest and Aww. I was like, oh, she's gonna love this,
0: and like, and I and she tweeted about it, and sh- and she did really, it really was meaningful to her. And I think what's beautiful about all of that is that, as you said, yes, there's a strategy, and yes, there's marketing involved, and and all those things. But when you're able to have it come from an authentic place, where this is something that's meaningful for you, and that this speaks to your truth and what you're writing about, what your music is saying it's going to resonate with your fan base as it clearly did. And and those are the times that it really pays off. and And I think throughout all of your journey that you've shared with us here today, a common theme that I'm seeing is that you've always stayed true to you. If you want to explore different types of music, you do that and your core fans will stay with you and it will resonate because it's still you. It's okay to change from, you know, folk, singer, songwriter, to more pop, to more electronic, to collaboration, to Christmas EPs, you know, all of these things, though, are still you. And making sure that that comes out in it is really important. And you've also always maintained relationships. How can you be there for the music supervisors and make their jobs easier? How can you be there for your fans and thank them for the support that they've shown you? And I I think that's a really beautiful way to to build your career and make it sustainable um and I I'm not surprised at all by the accolades and the the responses you've been getting from your music because that's that's really where it starts
1: yeah thanks i mean i've always i mean ever since i was little my my parents tell me that i wanted to do things my own way and on my yeah. own schedule <laughs> and I guess I just can't I just part of me thinks like oh I've made great decisions but part of me is just like but I can't help it like I can't right. help just doing what I want to do I I'd never wanted to be sort of controlled by the world or having to do something as soon as you tell me I have to do something I, I automatically don't want to do it <laughs> I just have to be me it would be too much work to be somebody else so right.
0: <laughs> I love that. It's too, too much work way. to be somebody else. I like that a lot. Yeah. That's really <laughs> you know, speaking of being controlled by the world, um, as we're speaking, we're at a time right now where, yeah, we're all sort of being, you know, told what to do and we've got to stay inside and we've got to, you know, live in a very uncertain time for a lot of people. And this can be very stressful really for everyone, whether it's they're stressing out about health issues, whether they're stressing out about I've never worked from home before or stressing out that I had a plan and now my plan needs to be adjusted, whether it's in a small or or major way. Mm -hmm. This all has kind of been throwing people for a loop and everyone seems to be trying to to find their quote unquote new normal and find their find their balance again. If if we ever have balance, <laughs> we're certainly trying to find it. Um you shared recently about one of the songs from from The Flash of a Fight is work of art. And can you tell us a little bit more about work of art and why um how it resonates with what a lot of us are going through right now. Yeah,
1: I mean work of art I feel like even its conception is kind of like indicative of the song itself. I remember I had taken a day off work specifically to go into the studio and write this last song for the for the album. And my producer had said he was sick and he couldn't come in. And I remember being so frustrated that I was losing money and now couldn't go into the studio. So I sat there thinking like, well, I can either sit here and pout all day or I can try and like start something. So I went on to Splice and I found this amazingly beautiful piano sample. This one was like a full like piano sort of phrase that was sort of very developed. And I started writing um, something over top of it. And it was the chorus to work of art. I just found like it just came out of me quite easily and it was the last song that was finished for the album and and that song is kind of about whatever life throws at you sort of making the best of it and and turning it into your own your own work of art getting through whatever it is that life throws at you and knowing that you can start again and you can build something new and and something great from whatever wherever you're starting when I brought it into the studio it kind of further developed into these verses that were very um, inspired by amazing lyricists, the Bergmans. They were a husband and wife duo from many years ago who wrote many beautiful songs that like Barbara Streisand song and stuff. It felt very meaningful when I looked at it the other day about everything that we're going through right now and and how it feels like we're just sort of all been, have all been thrown for a loop and are trying to catch up and don't know when this is going to end. There's a lot of our uncertainty, but just knowing that in that uncertainty that there is there's is always an end to everything, nothing is permanent and and that that we can start again and we can turn this into a positive
0: yeah th- thank you that is just such a beautiful sentiment to share, and um I'm sure it brings a lot of support and help to our listeners. I know it's brought me support, just listening to it um, <laughs> okay. yeah, so thank you, thank you for sharing that and as a reminder to all of our listeners in today's show notes, you'll find all the links. To Nat Jay's music, including her most recent album, I highly recommend uh, streaming it and, and taking a listen. It's it's a really beautiful uh, work of art. There we go. See, oh. I did. I made a pun there. Nice um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Before we get to our rapid fire questions, I'd like to to dig in a little bit more to Flash of a Fight. What the journey was like with that album, and and Ovi, and and what your most excited about for the future of this album and what's to come
1: yeah I mean I've been thinking about the album a lot um just these past couple of weeks and and how they've they're sort of taking on the songs are kind of taking on another meaning for me right now I wrote that album coming out of um a pretty dark place of of having some health issues Um, And and having been in a car accident, and I was just sort of in a really sort of dark place and wasn't sure how to get out of it. I think a lot of, of what I was writing about came from those events. And now with everything that's going on right now, I feel like a lot of those songs are sort of taking on a different meaning for me And in, in what we're go- all going through right now collectively. I, I find it really amazing how songs can sort of transition from one event to another and mean something completely different. My producer Ovi had never done an album like that before. He usually works on his own. And he's always sort of, he's, he's in the pop world and he's always sort of going for that hit. And this was a very different approach for him where we were just Literally serving the song and the idea, where he didn't have to sort of play to what a label's needs were. Um, He could just he would just come up with a track, and then I would write uh, the top line, which is the melody and lyrics on top of that. We were just the right partnership in that we collaborated well together. So we were sort of I sort of let him do what he was doing in the track, which I would normally have more input in, but I really liked everything he was doing, so I kind of left him alone. And he said he would. (laughs) He would normally be like giving more input into the top line, but he just liked everything I was doing. So he just left me alone. So we kind of worked alone together really well. And I hope they go and listen to it um, right now too, because I think a lot of the songs are really meaningful for, for the time that we're all having right now. And I really appreciate anyone who checks it out. What made you name it The Flash of a Fight? Uh, Well, The Flash of a Fight is a lyric in one of the sort of less commercial songs in there, a song called No Bright Light. That song is probably one of the darkest songs on there um, because it was written sort of about my car accident and also several months later um, when I, I had surgery and then had some complications and suffered several um, pulmonary embolisms. So basically could have died a couple of times mm-hmm. within a few months. And it sort of really made me question my own mortality and, and how like close we are to, you know, the edge of that. And I I found that in those moments, I I guess I thought they would be sort of more momentous or glorious, but all there sort of kind of was, was this little me there just trying to fight through it. It struck me really that like... It struck me of one, because I thought it would be like a sort of bigger, more momentous occasion, but it also struck me because even though I was going through this horrible thing, that there was still a little part of me that was fighting. And I felt like that really encompassed a lot of uh, what I've been going through, that even though sort of all this like, you know, bad thing after bad thing kept sort of happening in my life, there was always a part of me that was fighting to move forward and move beyond it and had this vision of, of... of life beyond what was happening to me at that moment. So I guess that, that's what the flash of a fight, um, where it came from. Also, I, I liked the, I'll, I'll admit, I thought it sounded cool and had cool so. a
0: <laughs> <laughs> I am such an alliteration nerd, so I hear you on that one. Um, thank, thank you for sharing that. And, and I'm truly sorry for the struggle you've been through. But I'm, I'm happy and, and grateful that you're here today with us to share that inspiration with us because it is definitely something that's very timely for all of us to hear. This, this can be a very dark and confusing and, and troubling time for a lot of people. And I, I, what I keep hearing from your story and what I think is a main takeaway is that we always have a choice. And as you had said earlier, you could sit there when plans don't go as planned and just say, you know, boo hoo is me, or you could, you know, make the most of it and and do as much as you can to to get closer to what you ultimately want. And so I, I thank you for sharing that. And it's such an important lesson for us to all keep in mind that we have more control than we think we do. We might not have control over being able to go where we want to go right now, but we can certainly control uh, how we spend our time and, and what we choose to focus on. Thank you for sharing that.
1: Yeah, you're welcome.
0: Rapid fire question time. All right, here, here here it is. Um, If you could have any superpower, what would it be?
1: Time travel. I definitely think time travel. As long as we got to like try things again, Mm -hmm. (laughs) get them right.
0: (laughs) Right. Nice, I like that. If you could go back in time, speaking of time travel, and tell your younger self any lesson, what would it be?
1: I think it would probably be turn off the TV.
0: <laughs> <laughs> what what were some of the things in the past that, that kept you glued to the to the television?
1: I uh I don't know, I just I love TV, and now I think it's turned into an obsession, which, I mean, I think I'm not the only one, thanks to Netflix. Oh, for sure. The issue is, like, that you can get it on all of your devices. So, like, I bring the TV, like, with me into the bathroom while I'm getting ready. You know, it's in bed with me. (laughs) It's everywhere. It's at work. Like, it's everywhere. So I feel like it's sort of ever-present. So I'm sort of going to – I'm trying to – what's one of the things I'm trying to do during this – this uh this weird stay at home time is to to try and find other ways to spend my time other than watching T V. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but for you, you know, it's always good for, you know, research. It's always good research. This is true. This is true. <laughs> I, I, now I just said it and made it worse. <laughs> you can only
1: use that as an excuse for one episode, though. But beyond That's that, fair. I don't know if
0: it still is. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. So um, if you could invite three musicians living or dead over for your house to dinner, um, you know, granted, uh, we're not in the time that we're in, who um, <laughs> would they be? Provided that I got to write with them after
1: dinner. Um, I think it would be Chris Martin from Coldplay. I would mm-hmm. really love to write with him. Alanis, <laughs> because mm-hmm. she is uh, she was one of my greatest influences since high school, and she'd probably be a great conversationalist. And Ryan Tedder from OneRepublic, mm-hmm. because I think he would be super fun to write with as well.
0: Yeah, I love him. Those those are excellent choices. I'm I'm all down for that one. Um, and all
1: live, so it's possible.
0: <laughs> yeah. Exact. So hey, I mean, I don't know if we've if we've had that happen yet on the show. So here's here's to, here's to uh, making a more realistic and very possible uh, night happen. Yeah. So that's wonderful. <laughs> and, and as everybody who's listened to the show before knows we like to um stay action focused in each episode so if you could give our audience any actionable any one thing to do this week what would it be
1: i think that it's a time for for community and, and coming together and helping each other out so this was a, a great piece of um advice that i will not got personally but but learned about I I take a lot of my mindset lessons from sport. I'm a huge sports fan, probably bigger than I am a music fan. And I, I watch a lot of tennis. I um, was watching Roger Federer. Everyone probably knows who Roger Federer. Um, He's the goat. And um, he, um, he was, he was playing a match where he was just blowing it. Like he was playing so poorly. And then somehow he came out of it and he won the match. And the interviewer asked him afterwards, How did you accomplish that? And he said that uh, he focused on the little things. When he was struggling, he focused on the little things. So instead of focusing sort of on the end result, of I have to win this match, which felt like the biggest mountain to climb, it was, you know, I need to move my feet more. I need to, um, I'm going to try and hit this shot down the line. I'm just going to, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to try and run for this shot more. Like it was just very little things. Um, And in the end, the results um, spoke for itself, and and he he turned it around and won. So I I always think that that's a really valuable lesson when when especially when things are tough, to just focus on the small things and let the result take care of itself.
0: Couldn't have said it any better, so I won't try. Uh- <laughs> Nat J, thank you so much for spending some time with us today and, and speaking with us. I am I really found a lot of inspiration from your story, and I'm sure our listeners have as well. And I just want to remind our listeners to make sure you go to the show notes and check out all, all things Nat J, all of her um, social media links and, and links to her music, including her latest, The Flash of a Fight. And um, also you can check her out at natj.com. Thank you so much for spending time with us.
1: Yeah, thanks so much for having me. And for sure, I'd love to connect with people on social media and stuff. I'm at natj. If anyone wants to find me on Instagram or Facebook or any of those and, and drop me a line and say, hey, um,
0: I'd love to connect. Wonderful. Well, thanks again and best of luck in these, in these new times. I have no doubt you'll make the most of it. Thanks. You too, Zeus. Bye. Bye. So could you tell why her actionable of the week was my favorite one that's ever been given? Any time in life, but especially in these times, it can be so easy to get overwhelmed by the full picture of it all. When you find yourself stuck in panicked paralysis, think about the importance of microtasking and remind yourself that small steps lead to big progress. Be easy with yourself this week and in the weeks to come. If you work on anything, work on your perspective and realize that while we can't control much these days, we can control how we decide to view our current circumstances. You don't need to save the world or have it all figured out, but you can decide to flex your power where you have it. If you'd like to connect with Nat J and check out her music, something I highly suggest you do, all of the links and things we mention can be found at the forward slash ep80. And if you need any additional support, email me at any time, suz, S-U-Z, at RockstarAdvocate.com. Until next time, Rockstar, stay healthy, stay connected, and stay home. And I hope to see you back here next time so we can get grounded to get rising. Take care.